Thank you, Jesus. Please take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginnings, the beginning of our universe, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of plants, flora and fauna, and all the categories of creation. Unfortunately, the beginning of sin. Fortunately, the beginning of an answer. It's just the beginning of God's chosen people. It's a book of beginnings. I'd like to read tonight. While you're turning, I'd like to say thank you to this local church for all your wonderful kindness since we've been here. Beautiful fruit basket in our room. The church looks so nice. Everything is just so crisp and sharp and clean. I've lived long enough to know that that doesn't just happen. Somebody's had a vacuum cleaner out and a polished rag and cleaned and made this place beautiful. So to the local church, I want to commend you for your outstanding effort tonight. And last night, obviously, you were well prepared. God bless you. It looks so nice and you work so hard. Greet all of my fellow preachers tonight. Sometimes it makes me nervous to preach in front of preachers. Tonight it doesn't because these are good friends and I love all of them very much, both brother elders that are here, both brother Scotts that are here and brother Riggins and brother Riley, brother Charles and then of course brother Purdue. I really think brother Purdue is such a unique man. He has preached for me when I pastored and he was such an outstanding blessing and I enjoy his singing. I don't know how you felt but that song just kicked me into a little higher gear tonight. Thank you, Brother Purdue. I mean that sincerely. Very happy to be here in this meeting. I think originally the bishop just thought I was going to be here in revival, so I got to got to tag along on this meeting because I was supposed to be here. And then I'm a little slow in getting here, so I probably threw a kink in his plans. But whatever the reason, I'm glad to be here. And I'm very happy to be here tonight with Brother Howard and Brother Morgan. I'm glad God didn't let Brother Morgan go. I feel like uh, feel like the Lord wanted him to be here tonight to help us in the spirit. And I'm telling you, and I realize that this is being taped and could be sent somewhere, and who knows who could hear it. But I'm going to tell you, church, there are not two men in the world that I trust more than I do these two right here when it comes to spiritual things and understanding the mind of the Lord and the working of the Holy Ghost these are the men that I would trust and I would turn to for answers in my life. And so I honor them tonight and very happy to be here with them. And I mean that sincerely. I'm glad all the mother folks didn't make it tonight because when I was a boy growing up, when uh, somebody didn't show up, that meant I got a little larger slice of the pie. So I get a little bigger helping tonight, praise God. And I'm just going to take advantage of the fact that there's not as many spoons in the pot. And I'm just going to get everything that I can get. Amen. I want to ask you tonight, and I mean this sincerely now. I'm not just funning with you. But are you willing tonight to let God get in your business? Are you willing to let God really get in your business? Sometimes we just like to talk about God getting in our business. But... I'm telling you tonight, God wants to come into this place and get in some people's business tonight. Amen. Shake somebody's hand and say, God wants to get in your business tonight. Look them in the eye. Look them in the eye. Come on. That's right. God wants to get in your business tonight. I'm not much of a preacher to... I do a lot of spiritual things. I'm just kind of an ordinary guy. I just preach and do my best to pray people through if I can. You know, when it comes to real deep spiritual things, I'm not, 
I don't feel comfortable in that role. But uh, several weeks ago, I guess it was probably 10 days or a couple of weeks ago when I left you that message on your answering machine. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me about this church and about your wonderful pastor. I was praying in the church and the Lord spoke to me and said, you call Pastor Johnson and you tell him what time it is. I said, all right, Lord. What time is it? He said, the time is Isaiah 61 and 7. And I turned and read it. And it says, for your shame you shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. So I called him and before, I know this sounds odd, but the Lord said, you will get the answering machine, leave it on the answering machine. I said, fine. And I got the answering machine and I left the message and said, I just called to tell you what time it is in Colorado Springs. It's time for you to reap double for every night you've had sorrow, for every moment you've expressed agony, for every tear you shed. God's fixing to double your joy. He's fixing to double your blessing. He is fixing to double everything that you have gone through to the good. I'm telling you, that's what time it is in Colorado Springs. And my faith says it's going to start tonight. I believe the Lord has spoken to me about this service and is fixing to start tonight. Tonight. We didn't come here to just entertain each other. We came here to have a visitation from God. Are you with me tonight to have a move of the Holy Ghost? God's, God's voice, at least to me, in my life, God's voice has been so soft. God doesn't usually speak to me in loud ways. Just a couple of months ago, I was starting a revival in another city. And uh, I knelt to pray and I said, Lord, what do you want to do in this city? What is... And I felt like... I'm very careful when I speak for the Lord because I don't want to say he says something that he doesn't say. But I felt like the Lord said, I will fill 50 people with the Holy Ghost in the next six weeks. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just wrote it down on a piece of paper and kept it in my heart. I'm telling you in six weeks, on the sixth week, the last night of that sixth week. Now, there were 56 people involved in it. But six of them got baptized and hadn't received the Holy Ghost at that time. If you think, I, I, I brought the little list of names. I got their names, addresses, and telephone numbers here just in case there's a doubt in Thomas here that didn't believe that they actually got the Holy Ghost. Sometimes people say, oh yeah, did they really get it? Well, you can just call them and ask them if you don't think that they got it. But I, I, I was so stunned that night. Uh, on that last night of the sixth week, the 50th person prayed through. And I just stood there amazed at God. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your confirmation. Thank you for the faith that you're going to put in our heart. Somewhere we're going to have to believe that God knows what he's doing in our churches. He knows exactly where we're at. I'm going to tell you what. He knows where this church is tonight. He knows wherever pastor is in this congregation tonight. He knows wherever. He knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows that you think he forgot about you, but he knows where you are tonight. You're right on schedule with God. Several years ago, several years, I was preaching a revival in California, a little rented building. Had eight people in the church. The Lord spoke to me and said, two people will get the Holy Ghost tonight. Well, now that didn't sound like much, but when you've only got eight people, and we weren't having any visitors at all, I said, okay, Jesus. Two people came that night. A man with a beard, kind of an effeminate kind of a guy, which I have a hard time with sometimes, but, but he was a sinner. And his, and his wife and I preached. Boy, my confidence was high. The Lord told me two are going to get the Holy Ghost. And she just come on down there and got the Holy Ghost just easy. Well, he didn't come. He sat back. So there was eight of them. My family was three. That was 11. And them two were 15. That's all that was there. 14 of us was up there praying that woman through. He just sitting back there. He wasn't bad. He just didn't know what was going on. The Lord hadn't told me I wouldn't have done it, but I went back and put my arm around his shoulder. I said, sir, you have to come up here and get the Holy Ghost tonight. He said, what? I said, <laughs> I said the Lord told me too, going to get the Holy Ghost tonight, and you're the only one here that doesn't have it. You have, you're just going to have to come up here. 
<laughs> and uh, he said, well, okay, that'll be fine. And he come up and we prayed him through the Holy Ghost there. They're still in the church today. That was over 20 years ago. And, and he's one of the key families. You can call his pastor. I'll give his name after church if you don't believe it. He plays the organ. He's a Sunday school superintendent. Been a right-hand family for the last 20 years. God just knows what he's doing. And I'm saying to you, I believe in my heart the same God that spoke those other things to me whispered to me today that today is going to be something that happens in the life and the womb of this church that you're fixing to start down a road that God's going to bless you. God's going to send some things into this church in the next few months. Not just in a revival, but I'm talking about in the, in the family of the church. There are going to be things that start to happen because we've got to cross into the final frontier of revival. The elder touched on it last night. I may preach on it tomorrow. If not, while I'm here, I will. Somewhere we've got to cross into the arena that we understand who we are in God. We've got buildings, we've got PAs, we've got financial capabilities, but we haven't crossed into the final frontier of revival, of understanding that I'm a child of God and I've got a right to some promises and God's going to take my life and He's going to use me in that harvest field. I will be a part of what God's going to do. I believe it's the final frontier of revival that we have not yet crossed into. Hallelujah. I just think God's awesome. I woke up this morning, had a real stiff neck. They saw me at lunch. I was rubbing it. I'd never had that before. I thought, well, I must have caught a bug. Or... In fact, I told them, I said, I think I slept wrong. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. I'm getting way out for me, for, for Bo. This is way out, what I'm fixing to say. But I went back to my room after lunch and up by the bed. And I started praying and the Spirit of the Lord came on. And I was speaking in tongues and weeping about this service. Just a good anointing of the Lord came and that left me. It was gone. It's gone right now. I can't feel one. And I felt like, I just felt in myself, you know what? That's just the devil. He was a And he cannot stay when the anointing comes. He has got to go. He has got to go. He has got to go. I believe the Lord does everything for his church. I believe in hindsight we'll probably look back and say the Lord wanted Brother Morgan here for his input and his contribution tonight. He is a man that walks with God and has had a number of spiritual uh, revelations about the working of the Lord in end time revival we may look back on this night and just say you know what God wanted Brother Morgan to be there and just add a dimension to our service who knows if you're here tonight you don't think God can do anything with your life let me remind you that in the second verse of the Bible there was nothing it was void and without form and from void and without form from nothing God created mountains and rivers and streams and plains and deserts. He doesn't need anything to create in you what He wants to do. He can take nothing and make you what He's called you to be. You need to understand, it isn't about what you are. It isn't about what talent you have. That's why you can look inside and see nothing He can work with, but feel the sweet whisperings of the Holy Ghost in a prayer room. God said, I'm going to make this out of you, and you're fixing to go here, and you're, gonna, and you're looking at it thinking, this can't be. Or what you're seeing is the void. God said, I don't need anything to work with. I create anything. I, I can make you anything I want to make you. You've seen it in people's lives. You've seen them come to God. You wouldn't think that could ever do nothing. And two or three years later, you're looking at them shaking your head saying, I never thought they'd make it. Look at what God can do in our life. Why don't you quit judging it by what you are right now and start saying, God, I want you to take what I am and make me into whatever you want me to be. I want to be a part of God's kingdom. He can do it. Well, lastly, I want to say I want the Holy Ghost to speak tonight. There's a difference between preaching and when the Spirit speaks to the church. When a man preaches, it's a one-dimensional action. But when the Spirit starts speaking, one message can minister to hundreds of people in diverse ways. One person get one view of it, another one get another view of it, and it's because the Spirit's doing the talking, and the Spirit knows where you are, and he over here he can be talking about their marriage, and over here be talking about their checkbook, and back there be talking about their job, and up here be talking about their rebellion, and back there talking about their consecration, over so all in the same message, same word, same text, same story, same everything, but the Spirit starts, oh, I want the Spirit to talk to the church tonight. Would you ask God to help us right now? Lift your hands and ask the Lord to let the Spirit speak into the church tonight. God, we're asking you tonight. I'm asking you to let the Spirit speak into the church. Shamaha I'm asking you, God, to let the Holy Ghost have dominion 
in this service. I'm asking you, God, to come in this place with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 27. Let's read a little bit tonight. Read a few verses. I know you've been standing. Thank you so kindly for your patience. Sometimes I just like to read the Bible because the devil has to listen. Check it out, devil. Listen to this for a while. Genesis 27. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow. Go out into the field and take me some venison. Make me savory meat such as I love. Bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau, her son, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to all which I command thee, to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Notice these next few verses very carefully. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. I don't know if I want to pray what his mother said. But his mother said unto him upon me, be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go and fetch me them. Upon me be thy curse. Now I could read you the rest of the chapter. I think most of you are familiar with the story how that the deception was enacted. But if you'll just notice verse 20, Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Now this is an... Uh, you, you talk about a bold lie. He said, <laughs> he didn't say just because I was lucky or because I'm a good hunter. He didn't say because Brother Purdue was with me <laughs> because that would probably work he's that good but he said because the Lord thy God brought it to me that kind of scares me I mean if you want to lie that's one thing but when you start saying God did it that's putting it in a different realm verse 24 and he said art thou my very son Esau and he said I am they were worried about a curse being placed upon them. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 43, if you would please. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah the great prophet spoken of in the New Testament more than any other prophet. Man who was greatly used of God considered the Shakespeare of Hebrew literature. Wise, great man. Chapter 43, verse 22. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Come in. If there's even one flicker of doubt in anybody's mind tonight, 
this church is going to win. This church is going to have revival. This church is going to have miracles. This church is going to grow and double and build buildings and the devil is not going to stop the church. He is a liar and he bluffs. I'm telling you, God can handle him when he gets good and ready. I want to hear you say in Jesus' name. I want you to be seated for just a moment. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. These matters, the Bible says others will judge and there are other ministers here. I'm going to tell you that in my opinion, what I'm feeling tonight and what I think the Holy Ghost is showing us is that in the last few years, and why it would be, I felt eight years, I don't know why, but in the last few years, the spirit of a high, powerful enemy has come against this pastor's family and against this church. He does not want this church to have the victory that God has told you that you're going to have. In the spirit, I felt like he's come against Sister Johnson's mind. Felt like he's come against Brother Johnson's heart. And tonight, he struck one of their children. And he wants us to believe that he can dominate. But I'm here to tell you, he is a liar. He is a liar. I'm not minimizing their power. I'm not taking away from the fact that they are supernatural beings. But I am telling you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We cannot live in fear and intimidation as a church. We have got to make our minds up that God is greater than any power that would come against the church. Simply the fact that he would attack the way he attacked tonight ought to tell you what kind of revival you're headed into as a church. It ought to let you know that God's on your side. I didn't finish reading tonight, but I really don't feel like I have to. Let me just talk to you about what's in my heart. Did not plan on preaching about this. I had other things in mind today and last night a little bit, but today God just really got to working on my heart about a curse and how a curse can be placed on a people or on a generation and they don't even know how that curse got placed on them. It's been there so long and it's been there so entrenched that they just have learned to live with that curse. It's just part of life. It's just the way that it was. In the case of the subject that I was reading to you tonight, it is the story of a woman who made a bold proclamation and said, let the curse be upon me. And if you track this family, there is a curse of deception and a curse that is placed on this family that lingers for many, 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 many years. It is not broken until the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. What we find here is a family that is involved in deception and lies. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 says to his wife, I am afraid that if they know you are my wife, that they will kill me. So when we go down into uh, Egypt here, I want you to tell them that you're my sister, which was a half-truth. She was the daughter of his father, but not the daughter of the same mother, I believe, is the way that it was. So it was a partial truth, but not an absolute truth. It was an attempt to deceive, to protect himself. And that spirit of deception did not just stop in Abraham, but it got into his family. And then Jacob goes off into another part of the country and marries into a family that also is eaten up with this spirit of deception. I don't want to talk about all of it tonight because the hour has moved on. I'm going to encapsulate it as best that I can. But I'm going to just give you some brief points. In the, in the text that I read to you tonight is the story of a mother that willingly deceived her own husband so that she could get the blessing for her favored son. And she even went so far as to say, let the curse rest upon me. So you've got Abraham being deceptive. You come along and you've got Isaac 
being deceptive. I've got scriptures for all of these. I'm just going to briefly mention them tonight. You've got Rebecca being deceptive. You've got Jacob deceiving his brother when he came out of the field and, and, and stole the birthright. And then you've got him in this passage of scripture that I read to you here. Going into his own father and saying to his own father that God has done this and God has done that. And then he lies to his father and says, I am Esau. And then he goes off into Laban's land and there he gets hooked up with Laban and it's the con man meeting the con man and, and Laban's good at tricking people and lying to people and, and Jacob meets up and, with a man and they meet their match and there they are two deceivers and two men full of deception coming against one another let me just mention a few of the points so that you'll understand how deeply entrenched this got in this family if you look at if you look at Jacob when he goes down there he says I want to marry your daughter and I, I want to uh, make a bargain with you. And he says, all right, there she is. Her name is Rachel. What will you do? He says, I want to work uh, for you and earn her. And he said, well, seven years do. That's fine. And so the Bible lets us to know that Jacob worked for seven years. And you know the story as well as I do. That the next morning and how this all occurs, I don't really understand all the ins and outs, how a man can marry a woman and not who she, know who she is until the next day. But the next morning he wakes up and he's looking at Leah instead of Rachel. And so the one that has been deceptive and the one that has, that has been uh, a con man and a cheater is now cheated and he becomes the victim of it. And so he works another seven years. And then you can read all of the story. I read it all again today, all through the book of Genesis, how he then begins to be deceptive. And then it's not only Abraham. It's not only Isaac. It's not only Rebecca. It's not only Jacob. But the women that Jacob marry also get involved in this deception and in this lie. When they leave, Rachel steals the gods of her father. And her father tracks them down out there in the wilderness. And he says, you stole my gods. And Jacob said, well, we didn't steal anything. The person you find it in. And on and on he goes in. And then he walks in and starts searching the tents and tearing things up. Looking through the packs of the camels. And Rachel is sitting on them at that moment. And looks up with such an innocent look in her face, no doubt. And said, I don't know what you're talking about. And later said, where are my gods? Do you see that this family is totally consumed with deception and lying and cheating? It's just a curse that comes on this family. And it's just perpetuated down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Now I believe that we're dealing overriding tonight with the spirit that has come against this church. But I also believe that there are spirits that have come against some of you because I've never seen a spirit attack a church that it doesn't also attack individual families as well. I've never seen it that it doesn't also come against individuals in families and attack them as well. So Jacob... Goes back home. I could preach all of this if I was preaching you a regular message. But he goes back home and he's got 12 sons. How do his 12 sons react? They're just as deceptive as mom and dad. They don't like Joseph because of his dreams. So they take him, throw him in a pit. Some of them want to kill him. Judah delivers him out of their hands. Says, no, sell him. Here comes some Midianites. They spill the blood of an animal, put it on his coat of many colors and take it back to their daddy. And what do they say to their daddy? They lied to him as big as life and said, your son must have been with some tragic accident or a wild animal half torn him. And he sat in their midst day after day, mourning the death of his son. And they never opened their mouth one time. Nobody broke. They were silent before them. And they watched their old daddy weep and cry and, and, and bemoan the loss of his son. And he sat there day after day after day. And they just let him believe that lie. Now let me ask you, let me show you how a curse works. And this is where it comes into your life. When you get into curses, the Bible said the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked in the book of Proverbs, but the blessing of the Lord is in the house of the just. The curse comes in when somebody becomes wicked and starts betraying their own family and hurting people in their own family. What did Joseph's brothers sell him into? Who can tell me? Slavery. What did their children become for the next 10 
generations. For the next 430 years, they became under the same curse that he, they had put upon their brother. Now, what I'm saying to you is for generations, people woke up and said, Mama, why are we slaves? Why do we live in mud huts? Why do we have to work for the Egyptians? Why can't we be like everybody else? And they lived that way for so long and did not know where the curse had come from that they finally just said, you know what, honey? This is just the way it is. My daddy was a slave. Your daddy was a slave. His daddy was a slave. Everybody was a We've just been slaves for so long. We don't even know where all of this mess started. We've got churches full of people that are cursed with things that have been passed down through the generations and you're trying to live for God and you're trying to have the victory and you don't even know where the curse came from. And you've received the Holy Ghost and you pay your tithes and you come to church and you get prayed for and the Lord heals you but you haven't learned how to break the curse off of your family and off of your life. 400 years they were under that curse of slavery. They didn't do anything to deserve it. Some of you, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, some of you sitting here tonight have fought battles that you don't have anything to be ashamed of. You have inherited things from your family. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation and you got the Holy Ghost but you haven't learned how to break the curse. And when we get to the place that God wants this church to break into Holy Ghost revival, there's going to have to be some things that are broke in your home. There's going to have to be something. You can't just have revival at church. You've got to have some revival that changes the way you live at home. That breaks things like anger, that breaks things like depression, that breaks things like financial hardship, that breaks things like ungodliness and all kinds of spirits and worldliness. I believe I'm preaching to people tonight that have lived their life with anger and don't know how to do anything about it. You don't want it. You prayed and you've asked God to take it away from you. Your daddy was angry. Your mother was angry. Your grandparents were angry. You've been in a family of angry people all of your life. And it's just a curse that's been brought on your family. You don't even know how to get rid of it. I believe there are people sitting here tonight that your mama was depressed and your mama's mama was depressed and it's been passed down through generation to generation to generation and you get up days, you don't even know why you're depressed. You just got a spirit on you and it's an oppressive spirit and you don't know what it is and you come to church and talk in tongues and go back home and go to sleep and get up the next morning depressed all over again. You don't realize there's been a curse somewhere back down the road but I'm here to preach it tonight. That curse can be broken. That curse should be broken and we're going to break some tonight in the power of the Holy Ghost. God is going to break some things in this service. When I tell you how simple it is, you're almost going to have a hard time believing it. Let me tell you how simple it was to break the curse. The curse started way back with Abraham trickled down through all those generations. Went through ten generations. They were cursed. The curse was broken in Exodus chapter 12. When God brought a deliverer, a young man by the name of Moses, God would not let Moses be raised in the house of a slave. He said, if I'm going to break this curse, he cannot be raised in the house of a slave. He's got to be different. He's got to see that they can go places that they have never seen they could go. He's got to be in places that they have never been or they're never going to understand this. And so he starts the whole wheel in operation and the little ark and all the story about Moses on the river. And all the time God is saying, I'm fixing to break me a curse. I'm fixing to show somebody they don't have to live the way they've been living for the last 10 generations. They can have the curse broken off of their life. And I'm fixing to raise raise me up a deliverer he raised him up a man that when he came back from the wilderness he wasn't embarrassed to walk down the tiled floors of Pharaoh. He didn't hang his head uh, in shame because he was some kind of a slave. He had lived in that house. He had slept in their beds. He had eaten their food. And when he looked at them, he said, let my people go. They've been held way too long. It's time you get your hand off the people of God. And we're not leaving our animals behind. We're not leaving our women and children behind. We're fixing to get out of here. We're going back to the place that God promised us in the beginning. We've been down here a long time, but we're fixing to come out. Our daddy didn't know how to get out. Our mama didn't know how to get out. It's been 40 generations but we're coming out in Jesus name. Coming out in Jesus name. I believe the church needs to be restored 
Not to the 1800s, not to the 1900s. I believe the church needs to be restored to the power that is in the book of Acts. There needs to be something that breaks us all the way back to the promised land that God gave us in the beginning. And we're not going to do that until we learn how to break this curse. How do you break it? The simplicity of it. In Exodus chapter 12, after Moses goes to the wilderness and comes back, faces favor, all the plagues, all of the little interim things that you got to go through. If I was preaching a message, I'd deal with all of them. But he looks at him and he says, I tell you what you guys do. Get you a lamb. Hold it up for four days. And uh, we're going to kill this lamb. Well, what did the lamb do? The lamb didn't do anything. You mean that's all we're going to do? To break 400 years of curse is bring a lamb into our house? That's all we're going to do? Oh, yeah. Every house that's got the lamb in it, every house that's got the lamb in it, the curse is going to pass right on by. And you know what? We don't have the lamb in our houses. We got them in our churches and we talk about it. But let me tell you something. When you get the lamb in your house, when you go home and plead the blood over ever opening in your house, and you say, you know what, devil? I'm tired of anger. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of marital disharmony. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of disease. I'm tired of poverty. I'm here to tell you I am a child of God. God has his hand on my life. I'm not living like this. I'm coming out in Jesus' name. I'm bringing the lamb to my house. All it took was a lamb. That's all. That's all. Now please hear me tonight. It didn't matter if he was a high-level slave with a lot of importance in the, in, the, in the community, or if he was a very low-level slave that no, one that no one really appreciated very much. All that mattered is, do you have the lamb? It didn't have anything to do with financial ability. It didn't have anything to do with social standing. It didn't have anything to do with education or intelligence or IQ or ability or talent or who was the best speaker or who was tongue-tied or who was deaf or who was blind or who was lame or who had any other physical affliction. The only thing that mattered to break the curse was get the lamb in your house. And when I see that lamb, I'm fixing to walk right past it and I'll take the curse to the Egyptians. And you didn't know where this curse came from. It was put on you by your ancestors way back down the road. But tonight, when the sun goes down, you are a nation of slaves. But when it rises in the morning, you're going to be a nation of free people because of a lamb. Not because you're smart. Not because you're talented. Let me tell you, the revival doesn't come to us because of our technique. It doesn't come because of our program. It doesn't because of our administration or our checkbook or how good we are, smart we are, talented, how good our music is. Let me tell you, when we get Jesus in the midst of us and we forget about everything else, I'm here to tell you, they will come. The Asians will come. The blacks will come. The Hispanic will come. The Caucasian will come. The economically impoverished will come. The rich will come. The poor will come. Not because we're good, but because we have the Lamb. Today, while I was praying, I thought of some of you. I'm going to tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost today. My motel room, weeping. I said, there are families sitting here tonight. That your entire married life, you have fought and you've had marital trouble. And God says, your parents had it before you. Your grandparents had it before you. And you have finally just accepted it. This is just the way life is. It can never be any different. It can never be changed. I guess we'll just always fight. We'll always beat each other's throats. Our house will always be a place where tempers flare. I believe I'm preaching to people tonight that you've always had a problem keeping your temper in check. You've always had a problem with anger. You haven't known what to do with it. Your daddy was an angry person. And now you're an angry person. And his daddy was an angry person. And you just finally said, you know what, I'm just Irish or, or I'm something else or I'm this or I'm that. And so that anger has just been passed down from generation to generation to generation. What do generations of screaming mothers produce? Screaming children. 
And when their children grow up, they scream at their kids. And when they grow up, they scream at their kids. You can plug in the, 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 the cord tonight to your life. You can connect the dots. There are people sitting here tonight that you are in financial hardship because you have been under a curse for many, many generations. You pay your tithes and give your offerings and you work hard and you're still not getting ahead. And you can't understand it. And you listen to every tape you can get your hand on. You don't realize your family's been cursed for generations. You need to break it off of your family tonight. You need to say, you know what? I'm not going home with this tonight. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to deal with the issues of your life that you have been struggling with. And there's going to be some things that are very private between you and God. But I'm telling you tonight, it doesn't matter what it is. It will fall before the Lamb. There is nothing that can stand before the Lamb. There is nothing. There is no curse powerful enough. There is no curse entrenched enough. There is no curse that has a tight enough grip on a family or a church or an entire generation that can stand before the Lamb. When they ate that lamb, there was deliverance. When they took that lamb on the inside of them, they were a free people. Everything that struggled against broke. Somebody in this building tonight that you have struggled for many years with pornography. Somebody in this building that you have struggled many years with lust. You have finally just decided you can't do anything about it. I'm here to tell you God wants to break the curse tonight. God wants to break the curse tonight. I want you to stand with me. Bow your head and close your eyes and listen to me. Listen to me. This ought to give you a little hope tonight. That all these years that you've been looking down at yourself. And whipping on yourself and beating on yourself. For your failures. It wasn't all your fault. I'm not excusing you. For giving in to the flesh. There might have been times that you could have conquered. But you need to realize tonight. There are some things that have been passed down to me. From my ancestors. And the Holy Ghost doesn't take care of it. Until I ask him to break this curse. Off my life. I told you the areas. That I felt God dealt with me about. In my motel room today. Number one. There's some marriages in this church. That need to change tonight. The curse needs to be broken off of those marriages tonight. You have fought long enough. You have disagreed long enough. And it needs to change tonight. And if you're too embarrassed to come down here. And let some of these men of God lay hands on you and anoint you. You're fixing to cheat yourself out of the deliverance that God has in store for you. So, and we're not going to ask you what you're coming for. But in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and stand. And we are going to pray the prayer of faith that God break the yoke off of your life. That God break the curse off of your life. And in breaking the curse off these families, we're also going to pray that God breaks the curse off this church and any opposition that has come against this pastor, any opposition that's come against leadership, any opposition that's come against any department, whether it's whether it's school, music, administration, outreach, Sunday school, bus ministry, it really doesn't make any difference. We want to break the hold that it has. I felt like somebody struggled with year after year after year after year after year. And if I had time tonight and it wasn't so late, I could preach on all of these issues. But before we come, I want to pray for just a moment. Let's pray that God would send courage and strength into this congregation to face themselves. God, I'm asking you to let us be honest tonight like we have never been honest in the Holy Ghost before. I'm asking you to let men and women, God, look at themselves with an honesty that says, I've lived with this too long. I've lived with this long enough. And God, I want the lamb in my house. I want it broken off of my life. I want this broken out of our family. I want it broken off of our church. God, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. There's some gossipers that need to break the curse tonight. There's some liars that need to break the curse tonight. There's some church hoppers that need to break the curse tonight. 
I don't care if your dad did do it. I don't care how long it's been in your family. You need to break the curse tonight. There's some backsliding spirits that get a hold of families where they just backslide, pray through, backslide, pray through. You need to break that spirit tonight. You need to look at your family and say, you know what, my family's been doing this as long as I can remember and as far back as I can see. My family's been losing out with God, praying through, losing out with God, praying through. I'm fixing to break that curse tonight. I'm going to get the lamb in my house. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to break this and I'm not passing this on to my children. I'm not passing my anger on. I'm not passing my, my gossiping on. I'm not passing on my financial unfaithfulness. I'm not passing on my rebellion. I've seen rebellion passed down from generation to generation. I've seen fathers give it to their children and them give it to their children. And on and on it lives in that family like some kind of a plague, like some kind of an illness that's in the home. Somebody's got to rise up and say, I'm breaking this curse. I'm breaking it tonight. Now, I don't really care why you come down here. But if you come down here tonight, I want you to mean business. I want you to have looked at your life, evaluated your weakness, and identified what it is that has cursed you. And I want you to step out in that aisle and come quickly. Stand in the front. We're going to pray for you that God would break that off of your life. We don't really care what it is. We're not asking you to confess tonight. We're asking you to believe that the Lamb will break the curse off of your life. Break the curse off of your life. Break the curse. Break the curse. Jesus, you see them walk down here and you know every one of them? You see them, God. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is no small night. This is no small night. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah in the name. Come on, get those hands in the air. Get those hands in the air. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are going to break it tonight in the power of the Holy Ghost. believe God right now it's not because I'm good it's not because I'm holy it's because I have the lamb it's because I have the lamb it's because I have the lamb reach out reach out right now in the name of Jesus break the hold break the hold break it break it break it I didn't know where the curse came from I didn't know how I got it we're breaking it tonight in Jesus name that's right, preachers, pray, 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 pray. Handabaha. I know this is unusual for you, Dad. 
Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Come on, that's right. Reach out, reach out, reach out. Come on, the Holy Ghost is working. Reach for it. Reach for it. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. I've got the lamb. I've got the lamb. I've got the lamb. Yes, 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 yes. You're not too weak. You've got the lamb. You've got the lamb. Oh, yes. I'll feel faith in this building. Reach out, reach out. Yes. I want it broken tonight. When I wake up tomorrow, I want to be free for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life. For the first time in my life. Jesus. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. Yes, I will be free. Tomorrow I will be free. When I wake up, I am free. I am free. I am free. It's gone in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Come on, I don't care what kind of daddy you had. I don't care what kind of mama you had. We're going to be free. We're going to be free. We're breaking it in the name of Jesus. Join them. Yes, yes, yes. Broken tonight. Broken tonight. Devil, you got to go. Devil, you got to go.
What we'd like to ask you to do, those of you that have been prayed for, if you would kind of move back and let those that haven't been prayed for move on up here. Let's kind of make a division so we know we want everybody to be ministered to tonight. If you've come for prayer and you haven't been ministered to yet, start working your way to the front. And those of you, you keep praying, just kind of back off and, and keep praying for yourself, your family, and the others that are being ministered to. Praise God. Come on, move right on up to the steps where we know. Let's make a let's make a, a demarcation here. Let's make a separation here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You brethren, you pastors and all. Let's move on in here so we know. Come right on up to the edge of the platform here. Praise God. All right, now we know who to minister for. Go ahead, brethren. Let's pray for these that are around the front. There's several over here. If some of you, brethren, want to move over this way.
Don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't quench it. This is the night. This is the night. This is the night to break it. Whatever you feel to do in the Holy Ghost, you need to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory. Jesus. Jesus. My home will be a place where the glory of God will live. I'm telling you, Holy Ghost is still here tonight. Holy Ghost is healing. Holy Ghost is healing right now. Healing people's minds. Healing people's hearts. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I want to tell you two more things. I want you to listen to me. Now you hear me. One thing that makes the curse work so well in your life is your memory. Now you listen to me. The concept of memory is used over 200 times in the Bible. Never one time do I find it used to go back into your past and relive your hurts and your woundings. Every time I read memory in the Bible, it says, remember God, remember his goodness, remember his acts, remember his blessings, remember the years that he delivered you, remember the fruitfulness that he has brought into your life. The devil knows how to take your mind and take you back into past hurts and woundings. And you need to get a revelation. The devil, you are perverting my memory. You are taking a God-given blessing to remember the joy and the fruitfulness that God has brought into my life. And you're twisting that and making me use it for things that are self-defeating. And I'm not going to abuse my memory anymore. I'm going to use it the way God gave it to me to use. And that's to remember God. I will not twist it. I will not pervert it. I will not use it in a carnal, natural way the way you have been making me use it. I want to stop right now and just pray about that. I want you to bow your head and say, God, I want you to help me to use my memory the way you created it to be used. God, I want my memory to be used for the glory of God. I want to remember goodness and joy and happiness and deliverances and healings. I do not want to remember my childhood hurts or my abuses. I don't want to remember the things that people have said and done for that only brings me down and invites the curse back into my life. I want to be free from it, God. I want my mind to be used the way you intended it to be used. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to tell you one more thing. All of you may not want to do this, and it's okay if you don't, but I believe in it. I made up my mind that I wanted some curses that had been in my family to be broke off of my life. And I studied this out in the Word of the Lord, and that's where it came from. But knowing the enemy the way I do tomorrow or the next day he's going to come back to you and he's going to tell you it's not really broken that you just thought it was it's like when getting prayed for and you're sick and your symptoms start coming back and you got to rebuke them in the name of the Lord now this may seem real trivial to some of you but I went and bought me a pack of pencils and I just laid them out in a real prominent place and every time that devil tried to tell me that wouldn't broke off of my life I went you see that devil it's broke off of my life. And I just start breaking it and throwing it down on the floor. And I'd throw them all over the house. And I'd say, you see that devil? It is broke out of my life. And it was a permanent reminder. And a couple days later, he'd come back and say, you know what? Your family's not. I'd say, you see this devil? Do you see this? It is broken off of my life. Now, you don't have to do that little object lesson if you don't want to. But you need to get somehow in your life to remember this night it has been broken. It has been broken. I have the lamb in my house.
When you walk through the door of your home tonight, I hope you start saying, I got a lamb in my house. Cover every window, cover every door, bring the blood into my home. We want to rebuke everything that's wrong and unlike God. We want our house to be a place of worship and joy and thanksgiving. I want you to sincerely lift your hands tonight and thank God for breaking the curse off of your life.